Welcome back, everybody, and most importantly, welcome to another episode of Unplugged. I'm your host, Jacob Puckett. This month, we're going to take a deep dive into electric vehicles. Now, I know you've probably seen a lot of information about electric vehicles online, on TV, and you might have some questions that you want answered about the technology, and you might find some of the information to be surprising. Today, I've got two of our experts on the podcast answering questions about everything EV. Our Director of Marketing, Crystal Spencer, Manager of Energy Solutions, John Jacob, are both going to take questions on EVs and give us a deep dive into the topic and where EVs are headed in the next few years. So stay tuned. I'm here with John and Crystal today to join us to talk about everything EV. We're going to dive right into this podcast and see if we can get as much information in in a few minutes to give everybody all the answers to all the questions they want. Crystal, let's start first with, and I feel like I might just be, this might be an opinion more than a fact, but I guess the EV market started off sort of slow. It, it was, you know, it was like turning on a light switch with a dimmer setting on it. And then now we're seeing a lot of the market explode both with cars that are popping up in the market that are for sale or they're in prototype and production right now, and a lot of interest in it. What do you think triggered kind of that slow approach to EVs? Well, you are correct that from maybe 2011 until 2017, it was a very slow increase of sales in the U.S. for EVs. But in 2018, there was about an 85% increase in sales. And that was for a very specific reason. That was the launch of the Tesla Model 3. Okay, since then, um, sales have been steady, maybe a little decline in 2019. And, and we know how 2020 has gone as well. So that's a little bit of an oddity. So it appears that really the growth of these EV sales is related to the models that are being released and the new technology that's being released. So um, the larger batteries and having vehicles that really meet people's needs. So I think that if our manufacturers follow through on some of the promises they have for new vehicles in 2021, that what we're going to see is a really big year for EVs because Ford is planning to launch their Mustang. Um, we're also going to be seeing several trucks, which is going to be great for our area with um, the Ford F-150 and the Rivian truck coming out. And I know you were pretty excited, too, about the Jeep coming out um, as a hybrid. So I think that if we see those models come out in 2021, it's going to be a big year. I was pumped about that. I mean, it, for people who are listening to the podcast, I'm a Jeep junkie. I've always been a Jeep fan, a Jeep fanboy is what I call myself. And I think what's incredible is you see a lot of people wanting these souped up versions of Jeeps. They don't realize that maybe the electric version of a Jeep Wrangler offers more torque and offers really easier maneuverability on those rocks just based on how it's designed. John, do you want to hop in on how as more trucks come out, more SUVs come out? It's going to be a completely different segment that we're reaching to with EVs and hybrids as a whole because you know, you couldn't take some of the cars initially, you know, off-roading or anything like that. But now it's some of that technology getting out there. What are the advantages in that situation of having a plug-in hybrid or maybe an electric setting that you could take when you need that extra push? Yeah, you know, it made me think of what Crystal was saying about <laughs> the Model 3 coming to market and that just driving some really explosive growth uh, because it was a desirable vehicle 
And, you know, the lower end model, the price point was around $40,000, $45,000. So it's starting to come in line with the cost of other comparable non-electric vehicles. And it's a desirable vehicle. Well, now we have the Tesla Cybertruck, the Rivian, and uh, there's a combo from uh, Nikola and GM called the Badger coming to market, as well as the Youngstown truck. Um, so now we have some really attractive trucks and SUVs. And those vehicles are already, you know, gas versions, the price point still 50 to $70,000 for a really well-equipped vehicle. So now we have all electric versions of those uh, cars, trucks, and SUVs coming to market. And the price point is going to be comparable. So I think we're going to see some more continued growth, especially in the, the truck and SUV segment. And then to your point, um, if you are an, you know, an active outdoorsy uh, person with, you know, a lifestyle that, is, is camping, kayaking, going to do all these types of adventure sports. Uh, maybe it does make sense for you to have a hybrid like the Nikola and GM or the F-150 uh, that you can have the benefit of the electric vehicles, uh, lower fuel costs, convenience, less maintenance, but still be able to ride out a long weekend or a week in the outdoors without concerns about running out of battery. And I think that's a key point. I know one of the calling cards that the F-150, they put out that big marketing video initially. They showed it towing, I think it was an entire train. And we're talking about how, you know, with the battery and no internal combustion engine, it was easier to pull that kind of weight with those increased horsepower. So it's kind of awesome to see a lot of people maybe not think of EVs in that way, but now they have a lot of power behind them. And some of these are the most powerful models coming out. Like Crystal and I were discussing last week, the PHEV, the plug-in hybrid Wrangler is the highest horsepower Wrangler that's ever been produced out of the factory from Jeep. So really interesting market shift. And Crystal, do you think the market shift is just purely because people are ready to have an EV, but they're just looking for the right EV. I feel like a lot of people get attached to their cars and maybe they just don't want to leave a certain segment. You know, I mean, some people are very dedicated to having an SUV or a truck on hand and they might be thinking, I want an EV, but you know, it's got to be this if we're going to do it. I definitely think you're right there. I think that there more and more people are looking for a way that they as an individual can positively impact the environment. Um, they want to reduce their carbon footprint. There's some that are attracted to um, the idea of reducing their fuel cost and reducing their maintenance cost. And speaking of maintenance costs, just the sheer convenience of not having to take um, time off to go to your dealership for regular oil changes um, is very appealing in today's busy world. So there's lots of things that are driving people that way, but they have to have a certain functionality. You know, a small family wants that small SUV so that they can take their kids and their kids' friends to their soccer game. Um, maybe they can't fit in a smaller car. Um, someone wants their Jeep for their off-roading. Someone else needs towing capacity on a truck. So that um, model that meets their functional needs has to be there first. And then I think that all of their other desires are going to come into play with an EV. And you hit an important point there I want to touch on since we're talking about EVs, maintenance. John, I've heard a lot of misconceptions about maintenance, um, you know, that it's super comparable. And I know there, that's up for a lot of personal debate, but really the cost you could save maintenance wise from an EV is a lot less than a normal gas internal comb combustion engine, right? Yeah, it's 100% accurate. I mean, you have uh, next to no moving parts in an EV. You have the brushless motors um, and that's pretty much it. You're not going to be changing fluids. There's no oil changes. 
um, your brakes are basically regenerative, so they're not going to need to be replaced as often uh, as the brake pads on a typical gas-powered vehicle. And just from experience speaking to some of the EV drivers during National Drive Electric Week, they talk about how it's kind of like they can't believe it. You know, that they've had the vehicle two years, three years, and they've done nothing for it, and they feel like I'm doing something wrong, but they're not. It's just it's just extraordinarily convenient not to have to you know go down a checklist and make sure you've not gone 3,000 miles since the last oil change. Um, so a, a lot of EV drivers find that that is you know one of the the best selling points of the EV is just a complete lack of maintenance. And I guess one of the big selling points for any EV is that you can also avoid trips to the gas station. Sure, we talk about a lot of the EV infrastructure is expanding across not only North Carolina but really the United States as a whole. Where are you seeing that going in the next 5, 10, 15 years, Sean? What what are the trends? Where are we headed? I think we're going to see some standardization is, is something that I would like to see in the market. Right now, we've got Tesla's incredible charging network, uh, which was really well thought out and put at the juncture of most major interstates and highways. So where two interstates meet is where those Tesla charging stations are typically located, but they're only usable by Teslas. So that is a great selling point if you are looking at buying a Tesla. If you own a Tesla, you have access to this incredible charging network. There's other charging networks like ChargePoint and EVgo. Um, but uh, I, I think the utility has a role in building out these networks. And so whether that's at the local level, like Blue Ridge has installed several EV charging stations in our footprint, uh, kind of filling in gaps where they don't exist right now. I think we're going to see more of that from investor-owned utilities like Duke. Um, and I think also we'll kind of see some consolidation between some of the smaller players in the marketplace. I think would be uh, outstanding is if we'd able to arrive at a universal plug, because right now there are several different plugs, uh, depending on the type of vehicle you drive. There's Tesla, uh, there's Chatamo, there's CCS. Uh, so it's very technical. Um, you know, most drivers don't really understand that you can only use one type of charging station, uh, you know, that that fits your vehicle's plug. So I would like to see there be some standardization as well as some expansion and some filling in the gaps of uh, places where there are not good charging infrastructure right now. Crystal, this market is, I think we could say pretty fairly, this market is expanding rapidly. And right before our eyes, in your years of marketing experience and years looking at a lot of these different things, have you seen anything with this sort of ceiling and potential that EVs really have? The only thing I can think to compare it up on, on my end is maybe cell phones or something like that. But I mean, have you seen anything with this kind of potential? Well, I definitely think cell phones is a great example. You know, that's a, a change that um, that came along. People never really thought that there would be phones that they carried with them all the time. Even when we started out, it was a slow shift to cell phones. It was uh, cell phones in bags in your car. You never really thought that you were going to have them attached and to your hand at all times. So I think that that's definitely a good example. Um, you know, GPS in cars as well may be another good example of that. Now it's expected that you're going to have a navigational unit on it built into your car. Um, so maybe that's a similar thing is that now we're going to see new models are going to be electrified and not um, only um, not only just hybrids, but also fully electric vehicles. And John touched a lot on the infrastructure. And I was going to ask you this too, kind of as a follow up to what John had just said. 
it, the whole EV market kind of seems like a snowball. It's starting to roll downhill a little bit, and it's really starting to take form. Do you see as infrastructure expands, that's going to really just everybody's going to be wanting an EV at that point? You know, once it becomes super available and as you know easy as going to a gas station to charge up. Well, I certainly believe that that infrastructure is going to help. I think that people need that comfort that they're going to be able to make um, the long trips that they want to take, that they're going to be able to make their daily commute without any issues. I think that that's important. Um, but again, I really think it all comes down to the functionality of the vehicles. So um, if they've got the truck they need, um, they've got the SUV they need, I think that they're going to find that um, for most of their daily needs, their charging at home is going to meet their needs. Um, and this infrastructure is um, actually what's needed for vacations or long trips and things like that. So um, it will definitely help spur the market some, but I believe that the daily use and the functional daily use is what's going to drive it. And I want to toss this final question to both of you, give each of you kind of share your thoughts on this. It, it's John, if I'm a potential EV buyer, and I'm looking in the market, thinking about making that leap from the gas-powered vehicle to an EV. What would you say or what would you want me to consider if I was getting ready to head to a car lot? What are some things that you would say to me to make me really think about what I'm about to buy and maybe some of the potential and great aspects of owning that kind of vehicle? Well, we've hit on the, the savings in fuel. For most drivers, that's going to be at least $1,000 a year uh, charging your vehicle at home versus taking a, a gasoline-powered car uh, to the gas station every week or every couple of weeks. So that's a pretty significant savings. The convenience of, of the maintenance-free kind of lifestyle with an EVs, huge selling point. But just to uh, uh, kind of add to what Crystal's saying, you know, it, it's not often that we take these longer trips. You know, it's a vacation or it's a business trip. So it's not an all-the-time thing. But when you're out there shopping in the lot, I think most people's number one consideration needs to be that battery range. Uh, how many miles can you realistically expect to go on a single charge with that vehicle? Uh, and then you can kind of mitigate some of these other considerations. You know, it does take 45 minutes, even at a fast charger to fully charge your vehicle. So you, you got to plan a little bit basically is the, you know, you get all these great advantages and fuel savings, convenience, uh, the performance of the vehicles, you know, the, the instant torque, all those things are great, but you can mitigate the one significant drawback with a little bit of planning. And it's the confluence of technologies Crystal's talking about. We all carry cell phones now. We all have GPS now. It's a quick little search. Hey, where's there the nearest fast charger? And can I plan a stop there where I can eat something or just stretch my legs, You know, walk down to a park or something? Um, it's about kind of building uh, the EV into your lifestyle. And it's really, uh, we're reaching a point where it's really easy to do that with you know minor or no inconveniences at all. Um, but I do think that number one consideration should probably be the size of the battery and the range you can expect with the vehicle. That'll help you pick the vehicle that suits your lifestyle. John's absolutely right there. And I think that one of the conversations that we recently had with an EV owner, they talked about um, making a log of just what you normally drive, what mileage do you actually drive in a week? And um, because sometimes we overestimate that, but if you were carefully logging your mileage, you'll find that you can probably cover that very easily with um, an EV. And um, having that knowledge with you as you go would help you determine if an EV is right for you. Um, 
a test drive in an EV is the way um, that an EV is going to be sold. So it's important for dealerships to have those on the lot where people can take a ride. I know we, we put employees in our, our EV and let them take a test drive, and we actually recorded those, and it, those reactions were amazing. They were um, completely sold on an EV. Even some guys who are real car guides found that they were big EV fans after they had a chance to ride in a car. Well, John and Crystal, thank you for taking the time today to talk about EVs. And most importantly, thank you for taking the time to kind of do a deep dive into the subject. I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing out there can sometimes be a little bit surface level, but we don't always get the full details. And I think a podcast is a great way to really discuss the technology. And maybe if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you're not sure if an EV is right for you, I hope this podcast helped answer maybe some of your questions or your concerns. If anybody has a question about an EV and they're a Blue Ridge Energy member, John, is there any way they can reach out and maybe, you know, get some questions answered or talk to someone who's knowledgeable? Absolutely. Yeah, we'd encourage anybody, uh, Blue Ridge members, to check out the information on electric vehicles on Blue Ridge Energy's website, uh, blueridgeenergy.com. Just put an EV in the search uh, bar and you'll, you'll find a wealth of information. And then if you'd like to go a little deeper or ask some more questions, please email or uh, reach out to myself and my colleague, Susan Greer. We've spent the last four years kind of becoming the EV experts at Blue Ridge. And so we'd be happy to answer any questions our members have about them. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Unplugged. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. If you hit the subscribe button, you won't have to find these episodes or search these episodes every month. They'll download straight to your device and you'll get an alert on your phone, your tablet, whatever you're listening on, or your desktop that lets you know that a new episode is available. So hit that subscribe button and thank you for listening.